0: they can't go on. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of July, 2010. For newcomers, you should look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. I always advise them to bookmark all the sites you see listed there. These are the official sites. And uh, remember, all these sites have uh, hundreds of audios for download. And all of them, too, have a lot of translations, um, I should say, uh, uh, a lot of uh, downloads you can do for prints-up, basically, of, of, of talks I've given as well for print up and passing around to your friends. But if you want translations in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and you can find them there, along with the audios, too. They all carry the same audios. And while you're at it, do remember that you bring me to you. You are the audience who bring the host to you. And when you stop giving the occasional penny here or there, I'll stop prattling on. And uh, the ads you hear on this show, remember, go straight to RBN. I've got nothing to do with advertisers. Uh, they go straight to RBN, and that pays for the airtime of the show. And it pays for the staff, the equipment, and their bills. So you have to help me out with mine by going into cuttingthroughtheMatrix.com website, Uh, and purchasing the books and the discs and so on that I have for sale. Remember, I'm giving you lots and lots of stuff free. And believe you me, everyone else takes this lead and follows this lead of this show. And it's always on their show the next day, or it's in their papers or whatever. So uh, help me out, as I say, because if I took advertisers on, I'd have to bring them on uh, as guests, and they would terrify you for half an hour, and then you'd hear the sales pitch. And that really is... Uh, that's not really a show. That's a bit of deception to an extent, but that's how a lot of hosts get their money. That's the traditional way of how they get paid, big bucks. But then again, as, as I say, there's catches to it. So I go this way. I hope that you help me out, and I can just uh, trickle by and uh, and get the show uh, continuously going. I'm only on the air because I've got so much to say, with a lifetime of study and watching this and observing what is really happening. And um, it was time to come out back in about 98 or so and say what I knew, because no one else was saying it. They weren't into eugenics. They were into the big global plan. No one was touching it. So, as I say, help me out. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can always use a personal check member to order or donate. Uh, you can also use PayPal for ordering or donating. If you want to order anything, just send a, a separate email with a name and address and And your order along with the, again, separate PayPal donation. And I'll get it out to you. An international postal money order is good from the U.S. to Canada as well, from your post office. And from the rest of the world, you can also use Western Union MoneyGram. You can use PayPal again for the same two things, donation or or purchase. And you can use cash as well. Some people send cash. And uh, they're still accepting it at the banks. I'm sure eventually they'll stop accepting it at all at the banks, with the fluctuation of the different prices and currencies, until they standardise them all into one. And that is coming. But we talk about uh, the, what's coming up. Always was coming up. And back in '98, on a radio station, I mentioned my first impression of uh, Canada and then the U.S. and the rural areas when I went down to see them very interesting, I thought, because everything looked so temporary when you compared it with Europe. Everything was made of wooden houses, basically, with siding on them, often plastic. Um, These were privately owned. Uh, The working class people, basically, were so proud of them, and yet I compared them to the council housing in Britain that were made of bricks and would last dozens and dozens of generations. I saw the overhanging wires on the streets for the electric and so on. Weren't buried underground. Everything told me that this was all temporary. And one day they get rid of it. And I'll go on about that when I come back from this big... Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning before the break that everything looks so temporary to me, coming from Europe, but uh, looked around Canada, especially the, the rural areas, and uh, a lot of the working class areas as well. Uh, same in the States, and I thought everything is so temporary. These, One day they'll just rip off these overhead wiring, they'll demolish these houses uh, so easily too, because they're stick houses basically. And, um, that's exactly what, uh, Obama put into motion. He didn't come up with the idea, of course. It was always there in the cards many, many years ago. Uh, that once you were post-industrial, they would simply do exactly that and then force rest back into the city. And they're using so many different guises about it that they can't keep up the maintenance work when there's so few folk living in this area, that area, and all the rest of it. It's too expensive. And, um, And they are flattening uh, parts of Detroit and other places, too, across the different states. And they're keeping different parts of it quiet as well, so you don't correlate them all. But here's an article, too. And I mentioned this years ago. uh, I noticed about the cities even. Uh, The cities were not being maintained uh, eventually. I saw the potholes uh, year after year. And I thought, well, obviously, these guys know they're there. Why aren't they fixing them? Well, the only conclusion is, well, they're not going to, because these big cities, especially the aging cities and the kind of industrialized-type cities, uh, they would go the way of the dodo bird. They'll, they'll serve a purpose for 50 years, and sure enough, that's kind of on the cards as everyone's getting crowded into them for the next 40, 50 years as they depopulate the rural areas, and then people will die off in those cities, and most of them will be sterile by then anyway and full of disease and uh, they'll simply flatten it all or build separate ones for themselves elsewhere. If you look again at the reports for the next 50 years, according to the think tanks for the military of Britain and NATO uh, and the American equivalent from their own military, which back each other up, they see new cities getting set up for uh, an elite who will go on to continue down through the ages, basically, if you know what you're reading and how to read. How to read it. There's a way to read things because they give you more than just the the face value. If you're very careful, you'll see what it is. Now, here's an article here, and it's from Wall Street Journal. And I've noticed this, too, uh, up in Canada as well as in the States. Uh, A hulking yellow machine inched along old Highway 10 here recently in a summer scene that seemed uh, normal as a nearby corn swaying in the breeze. But instead of laying a blanket of steaming blacktop as tarmac, the machine was grinding the asphalt road into bits. Um, when counties had lots of money, they paid they paved a lot of the roads and tried to make life easier for people who lived there," said Stutzman County Highway Superintendent Mike Zimmerman, sifting the dusty black rubble through his fingers. Now it's catching up to them. Outside the specker town, uh, it says a 10-mile mile road of, uh, had deteriorated to, to the point where residents reported seeing ducks floating in potholes. Mr. Zimmerman said, as the road wore out, the cost of repaving became too great. Last year, the county spent $400,000 on an RM300 Caterpillar rotary mixer to grind the road up, making it look more like an old homesteader trail it once was, you know, in pre-industrial times, no doubt. So they're literally taking the tarmac off the road in the rural areas, calling it a gravel road, no doubt, which they won't maintain either. And uh, that's just the way it's going. Um, that $400,000 uh, they paid for the Caterpillar to rip it up, I'm sure they could have fixed the roads with it, but that's not the agenda. We know what the agenda is. If, uh, if you've read Agenda 21 and so on, it's all communitarianism, as I like to call it. Communitarianism is the big thing that George Bush Sr. himself uh, yelled out in 1990. And... Um, then we find. And last week I was talking about communitarianism, about more what it is, it's a sort of collectivist society. But it's not something that where you just simply set up a council of yourselves and you'll debate with a real democracy what's to happen in your area. This was set up before you were born. The whole idea was worked out and all the rest of it. A whole generation has been trained by various organisations called things like Common Purpose and others to give you the future leaders who will just happen to end up on the boards of what you think are your groups as you decide the fate of your little area. You understand, you see, under the regionalism, and this is what it's about, it's United Nations regionalism, they've already, um, you know, in in England, you don't have to put down the, the, the town or even the city you come from, you put down an area code for your region. It's already working there and that's to come to the States and Canada as well. And here's an article to show you how they introduce it openly now, communitarianism, without using the word, you see. It's like when you're under the Soviet system, the new Soviet system, which you are, it's an upgraded Soviet system, um, they will not use communism. So they use the next best thing, communitarianism, and we're so dumbed down and stupid, we don't relate the two. It's very simple. We are very simple people. After being, uh, you know, inoculated to death with uh, God knows what that attacked your brain and fed the, the worst possible uh, weaponized food that they could possibly think of that uh, dumbs you down and, and kills you off earlier with all kinds of tumors and things. But anyway, nothing that you don't know, I'm sure, if you've listened to this show often enough. Here's an article from The Telegraph, uh, 19th of July, 2010, Now, this strange government in Britain, exactly as Carl Quigley said, the two parties are always really the same. When when one comes in and they're the right or the left, they continue with the agenda of the previous party, which tells you they're just the same, right? (laughs) There's no such thing as competition. You lose control if some real person got in there with a real party uh, that wasn't quite authorised. That's why you know they'd never get in. So David Cameron's the Prime Minister, supposedly at the moment, who pretends he's right-wing. And, of course, he's, he's one of the top members, again, the high members of the same club that Quigley talked about, as they all are at the top. And it says here, uh, David Cameron launches his big society. You know, Remember the big idea that, that was uh, coming into view as well, along with the New World Order? It's a big idea. Well, that was, that was a communitarian thing. And they're calling it also the big society, you see. So local communities will get the power and money to run bus services, set up broadband internet networks, and take over neighborhood recycling schemes under a mass transfer of power from the state to the people. David Cameron, this is how he will announce it today, you see. And this is his speechwriter, obviously, handing it out, because David Cameron just reads what he's given by the guys who really know what the job is. And uh, this is how they announce it in Britain. You can get it in advance. So David Cameron will announce on Monday, which he's done, I'm sure. And it said here, um, in his first major speech on the theme of the big society since winning the election, the Prime Minister will announce the biggest redistribution of power from elites in Whitehall to the man and woman on the street. Well, that's a great joke. Aha, aha, aha. Right? Uh, Mr. Cameron, who is keen to present, it's all his idea, of course, that's what the, how it's meant to be for the public. This was decided back in the early 1900s. Mr. Cameron, who is keen to present his administration as offering optimistic uh, new policies that are not just about cuts, will say that the liberation of volunteers and activists, you know, those NGOs with their leaders and all the rest of it, they're run by the parallel, which is the real government, uh, take over to help their own communities in the vision Is a vision which drives his premiership, right? Uh, As part of his drive to roll back the reach of the public sector, the prime minister will will attack, (laughs) will attack. This is like the Time Lords. You're reading from a time machine. Uh, The previous Labour government for turning state employees into disillusioned, weary puppets and communities into dull, soulless clones. That's with the GM food, unemployment, and all the rest of it, and the massive anti-cultural attack they've had that's destroyed all the culture. He will announce that four areas in diverse parts of the country have been chosen to form a vanguard in realising his dream of people power, in which individuals rather than the state come together voluntarily, you know that volunteerism a bit, to solve their problems. The four, the Greater London Borough of Sutton and Team, the leafy Berkshire Council, Council of Windsor and Maidenhead rural Eden Valley in Penrith, Cumbria, and the metropolitan city of Liverpool were chosen after they petitioned Downing Street to start their own projects. So they were chosen. You see, they started it themselves, you know, you know all the folk thought of this themselves, you know. They will be the first to be invited to submit applications to the Big Society Bank. Here you are, a Big Society Bank. The BS part is the only part that's true. But it's a Big Society part. Bank. A, a fund which will allocate the proceeds of, listen to this now, dormant bank accounts worth hundreds of millions of pounds. that nobody knew were there, eh? To help set up volunteer schemes to improve communities. In a speech in Liverpool where local people have asked to act as volunteers at a museum in order to extend his opening hours, Mr Cameron will set out his grand vision, his grand vision, aha, (laughs) of a big society and would create communities with oomph, oomph. I guess that's some kind of, I don't know, flatulence or something. Maybe Stressing how much concept means to him on a personal level, he will say, uh, There are all the things you do because it's your duty, but there are other things you do because it's your passion, he'll say. The things that fire you up in the morning, that drive you, that you truly believe will make a real difference to the country you love. And my great passion is creating the big society. I guess he's been dreaming about this all his life, eh? During the election campaign, Mr Cameron faced accusations, including from senior figures from his, within his own party, that the big society concept was too vague and intangible to attract voters. Polls showed that two out of three voters had not even heard of it. Well, I'd say it's probably half of one percent who's maybe got an idea of what it is, and they're the leaders of the NGOs. But Mr Cameron hopes that putting fresh Uh, Flesh on the bones of his vision will persuade critics that it can be shared by millions of ordinary Britons who care about their community and are tired of having so many aspects of their life dictated from the centre. He will say the big society is about a huge cultural change where people in their everyday lives, in their homes, in their neighbourhoods, in their workplaces don't always turn to officials. Back with more on this, because it's coming in here after this break. Zion now Alan Watt and back cutting to the matrix and making sense of the insensible really And this is just the agenda we're talking about here, communitarianism And uh, living in new communities and having your NGO leaders run you and so on With all the techniques that have been trained with the Delphi technique to put you out If you ask any particular pertinent question at a meeting uh, They set the audience up, they know how to do it and there'll be one or two I'll get up there and say Oh, let the person that, who's speaking Speak at the front there Don't interrupt them When you're asking something That's really important But they're all techniques Of bending a whole audience Around their little fingers They're trained for it But and they call it the Delphi technique And uh, but getting back to the article here It says here that it's uh, Britain who care about their community and are tired of having so many aspects of their life dictated from the centre. He will say the big society is about a huge cultural change. That's amazing. What culture are they talking about anymore? I mean, is it, is it Urdu? I mean, what, what culture is it they're on about here? Because there's no British culture left. Where people in their everyday lives, in their homes, in their neighbourhoods, in their workplace, don't always turn to officials, local authorities or central government for answers to the problems which the governments have caused. That's me adding the last part because that's what should be put in here, actually, you see. I mean, they've bankrupted the country so many times over, the governments, and now they're handing, <laughs> they're handing over this chaos to the public so that they can get to grips. But there's more behind it, and I'll get on with that. It says they Facebook instead feel both free and powerful enough to help themselves in their own communities. We need to create communities with oomph and etc. Cetera, et cetera, who are in charge of their own destiny, who feel if they club together and get involved, they can shape the world around them. I guess when you your panellist, you can do that, you see. The four pioneer communities will be helped by dedicated civil servants who will give expert advice if they encounter legal problems or bureaucratic obstacles. Officials will identify local residents with a particular attitude for taking part in big society projects. Well, guess who they are? They're the pre-trained NGOs and common purpose people, you see. They will then receive training to become community organizers. see, this is the Soviet folks. This is, the Soviet was ruled by councils in its idealistic form. That's what Soviet meant. It's communitarianism. And you have these NGOs and these community organizers and leaders in charge of every sector of society within your area. Right down to rationing, by the way, that's a very important part. They're I'm not talking about that in this, of course, as you sell the dream or the nightmare. So these organisers, motivating their neighbours to take part in action schemes, they come to your door and kind of nag you and make you feel anti-social if you don't join them. All all tried out and tested in other countries. They will also be able to draw on the big society bank that Cameron promised would use every penny of dormant bank. And building society account money to help financial social enterprises, charities and voluntary groups. Well, what the, the government has been doing with these, these uh, dormant bank accounts for the last 60, 70, 80 years. Eh? Who's been scoffing that? Accounts left untouched for at least 15 years would be challenged or challenged, uh, challenged uh, channeled into good causes. Over time, Mr. Cameron said the bank would provide hundreds of billions of pounds to big society projects with money starting to be distributed from April. See how it's all set up already? The four vanguard communities have asked for help to set up a variety of different schemes. So they give you very, very uh, elementary schemes, you know, and, and almost comical schemes like getting a pub and all that stuff, uh, just to make you think that's what it's really about. But it's not. It's nothing to do with that. It says there are also plans for council budgets to be given directly to the residents' groups of individual streets to decide how to spend the cash. Do you understand when it comes down? This is all under under the EU. The EU was step by step from its very inception by the groups who set it up, which was the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations, who set up the EU, who set up the UN as well, as they ended up with destroying nationalism and national countries. They would bring it down to regional, you see, and then within that region, they break it down into area communities that are numbered on a map. And each one is run by their own little Soviets. Now, remember, the UN eventually is to uh, dish out the food and medicine and all that stuff to each region and each, each area. And if you can't bring your population down to the quota of food that you get, and you can't make do with the medications that are available and so on, well, that's your tough peas. That's your problem. That's how they'll make you do it. And then your little NGOs, your little trained NGOs with a common purpose and so on, will stand up at the little community um, board meeting and say, well, you know, we can't ask the guys next door. They're suffering too. And we can't go to the government. This, you see, this, this is all in our heads, you see. We've brought all of this on ourselves. What are we going to do about it? Etc. It stinks of that. Stinks of it. It's so obvious. So obvious. But they introduce it to the, to the animals, the domesticated animals who, who are taught to believe everything the media gives them at face value, you see. Local transport uh, services, including bus and tram groups, that's the train, that's the electric train or tram car, uh, could be commissioned by the community it's themselves who would be able to set timetables and improve reliability rates. They'll do what Mussolini did. He'll just ban the timetables because they won't have the gasoline or the electricity to move the darn things. But this is part of agenda 21. No private vehicles are mentioned here. One group has asked for power to buy out local assets, including a rural pub. Well, that's the haha bit that they always put into these things. Another project involves bringing internet broadband to a local community. Mr. Cameron will say they've got all, they've all got one thing in common, a firm commitment from this government to help them, I like this beautiful part of it. realize their dreams. The folk have never heard of it. That doesn't matter, does it? The new Soviet is here. And you thought it was the Russians. No, they're also international affairs. Back after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. I'm Alan Watt. We're coming through the Matrix, just talking basically about what's the really Agenda 21 and uh, from the United Nations through via the European Union with this massive new Soviet uh, parliament they have there. And it's amazing how, again, everything falls in together at the right time. Century of change they prattled on in the big universes for a long, long time, for about 50 years in the last century, the coming century of change. And they knew what they were talking about is this big communitarian society that was to come in and uh, what seemed to be the, the devolution of power uh, down to the people, especially the little Soviet groups that run your panels and the experts they'll become the new experts and the new democracy and they'll run your system for you and you'll attend meetings where you like it or not or you're antisocial. But... This is the the speech that Mr. Cameron was supposed to say today, and it's written in advance, so why bother bringing him out? You know, you don't really need a person. Just a cut-out cardboard thing would do fine. It's cheaper that way. Give the speechwriter the cash and bring him. give him the little Emmy Awards or Grammy Awards, whatever you want to give him for writing this uh, stuff. And it says here, I love the wording. It's that they're talking to someone at the age of seven, you know, or six or seven. This is the language they use, of course. He says, yes, there will be objections, local objections, objections from vested interests. But you know what? We're happy about that. He doesn't say boys and girls, though. But anyway, it says, the process is all about learning. It's about pushing power down and seeing what happens. It's about unearthing the problems as they come up on the ground and seeing how we can get round them rather than repair the potholes. I added that little bit on at the end. <laughs> it's about holding our hands up, saying we haven't got all the answers. Let's work them out together. However, Ed Miliband, the Labour leader uh, contender, who's got all his relatives here, apart from the ones that are still in the Soviet Union, uh, the rest of them flooded here just before World War II, claimed that the big society was a means of enabling the government to cut vital public services. Well, of course it is, and that's why he has to say that. He said Cameron's government is cynically attempting to dignify its cuts agenda by dressing up the withdrawal of support with a language of reinvigorating civic society. You see? So that's how they introduced that to the public in this this baby talk. And try to whip up enthusiasm. He won't do it very well. Tony Blair was a better psychopath. He could get his arms flashing and everything and, and, and do whirlwinds with his hands, you know, almost take off from the floor. And as he really flapped around there and tried to whip up enthusiasm, you know, they'll take these courses on positive thinking and stuff, all that kind of stuff and motivational procedures for people. But here's the EU observer. It just happens to tie in with it because it says, and the EU reaches, this is a, the EU, remember, is a solid block of old, old countries that were Soviet, plus the ones that weren't, well, not, not openly, like Britain. And um, it says, the EU reaches out for new powers at United Nations. The plenary chamber at the UN headquarters New York photographs are like big there in front. Oh, very impressive place. And it says, uh, European... Uh, Council President Herman Van Rompuy Rompuy, will in future be able to address the UN Chamber, no differently from U.S. President Barack Obama, or Iranian leader Mohammed Amidinejad, after draft reforms agreed by member states. EU countries at meetings in Brussels and New York have agreed to table a resolution in the UN General Assembly to give the Union, the Union, the solid Union bloc that's now got its own flag and all that, and they find countries if you don't fly out their flag, millions of pounds too, according to a UK ministerial letter set up by British MPs on Wednesday, 14th of July, and seen by the Euro Observer. The EU currently has only Observer status at the UN, while well, since it's now taken away the sovereignty of all the countries that, that it dominates, you see, and you've got all these peasants living in little communitarian areas, Uh, It's uh, it's now going to to go in as an official, like a nation would go in, as a big nation, into the UN with its own army and all that kind of stuff and its own various powers, its voting powers. Its delegates do not sit amongst the UN members at the moment, but often decide along with entities such as the Vatican, the Red Cross and the Arab League. The symbolic sitting arrangements are not due to change, but if the motion which has been tabled in the coming weeks is approved by the General Assembly, the EU will be awarded other rights enjoyed by fully-fledged UN members, such as the right to make proposals and submit amendments, the right of reply, the right to raise points of order, and the right to circulate documents. There will also be additional seats put in for the EU's foreign policy chief, High representative Catherine Ashton, and her officials. So, uh, how it all ties together, and uh, say the... uh, we're going down into, under the, remember what Karl Marx said, three trading blocks in the world under a, which would all have the kind of provincial government. That, that would be what your federal government turns into as a provincial, your province. Under a super world government. Well, this is what this is all about. You see? And it's all right in front of us, and that's what it is. And believe you me, it's no conspiracy. How can be a conspiracy when one guy writes about it in the 1840s? And then it's, is prattled on by others down through the ages, right in through the Milner group who wanted this too. This was a view for the world with a round table society, but they're still working every day, every, somewhere across the globe. And every country's got a round table society, by the way, and they all have their council on foreign relations departments or the Institute of International Affairs Department, and even the EU has this, uh, this EU uh, official one for the international affairs from the, C, for the CFR. They're all one in the same group, run from London. The bankers. <laughs> international, of course. So that's that. And then you jump to the smart meters. And he's a guy who obviously is in, in the La La Land region. That's a nether region. here, so sort of never half there and never half over the other, you know. But uh, I guess that's the safest way to be a, a correspondent. And this is from uh, the Daily Finance. California's latest revolt is against smart electric meters. Uh, sometime in April, Pacific Gas and Electric put a brand new smart meter on their home a rent in Marin County, California. We were never notified or asked if we wanted one. Well, nobody ever is. We were never notified if we wanted one. The installer just came one day while we were out, and it was a done deal. As a confirmed environmentalist, or sees a goody two shoes, living see, so it got to be a goody two shoes if you live in California or even any British Columbia. I thought this would have been a good thing. Smart meters will, in theory, play a key role in managing energy consumption by households like mine. Or oh, is that do you feel fuzzy when he says that? The devices are wireless so that they eliminate the need for reader readers and save companies like P and G and E money while reducing the carbon footprint. Not a big footprint that no one sees, you know. And pollution resulting from running fleets of trucks to tally power usage at millions of homes. And then they can show the homeowners' parents by energy usage and notify them about energy usage, anomalies or spikes in power. And yada 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 yada. But he goes on to say that uh, the only thing that's taken him off is that they've never got a choice in it. He, he likes to be told but his handcuffs are coming, his, his new upgraded handcuffs are coming, this guy, this particular guy. But other residents are complaining as well because they've noticed spikes in the, in the usage that they did not use. And of course, uh, boy, it's computerized, so you can't, <laughs> the computer doesn't lie. You pay up, folks, and that's it. So they're doing it on a natural gas pipeline. They're using it on your electric for your home as well. Smart meter will go into a worldwide smart grid down the road. That's what it's designed to do. All combined together. And then you will pay in advance for your usage. Because I read the first articles that came out years ago on this. Everybody's forgotten it. And once you went over, you go over your quota, and you've got quota allocated to how many folk live in your home and how a geothermal is insulated and all that kind of stuff. Then they'll cut you off, or you pay extra, maybe even double to get to get more to last you through the month. That's what it's all about, folks. It's nothing to do with helping you see how much energy you're using. That's what it's about. Remember these articles I read? I put links up at CuttingThroughMatrix.com at the end of the show, so that you can go in and look them up for yourselves. And it's good to have a record of these and put them in categories and so on for 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 reference. So uh, this is what's happening. You know, um, here's another thing from e- the EU. It's amazing too, because I've got the stats here for the for the levels of, of um, uh, uh, populations from censuses, the real ones from the governments. They show a completely different thing from the hype in the media about we're all by the year 2050, 50, the world will be speak, busting with people, and, it's, and, the, and the truth shows the opposites. Most folk across Europe, in Canada, and the States, who have been there for generations, are declining in population massively. Even the ones in India and China are starting to level out. And they'll start dropping within the next 10-15 years. So anyway, Brussels, that are always sprouting different stuff, and that's the parliament, of course, in Britain again. I've heard the whole of Europe, I should say. The big Soviet, the new Soviet Brussels go ahead for new wave of migrants. Here's all this unemployment, massive debt, and all the rest of it. And they've given the go ahead for a new wave of migrants. Uh, Bureaucrats are planning to encourage more new migrants to come to the EU despite rising levels of unemployment emerged last night. Uh, so the officials are, are to simplify ent- they're going to simplify entry rules for workers heading to Europe to take up temporary seasonal jobs in farming, tourism and other industries. And of course, none of them will go home. Very few go home. The EU Home uh, Affairs Commissioner, Celia Malmström, said, we need immigrant workers in order to secure economic survival, she says. <laughs> she claimed more were needed to fill labour shortages even though there was massive unemployment. But her remarks are bound to provoke new concerns that Eurocrats are determined to press for ever higher levels of immigration. You see, they won't be happy till they have done the same in all across Europe as they've done in Britain. You see, until there's really no culture left at all. Which is great because you have no culture to fight for. You can't find anybody to, to marry because no one marries anymore or has children. And uh, so you have nothing to stand up and fight for, you see. So they can do anything to you when you, when you won't stand up for anything. Last night, Home Office insiders insisted Britain would refuse to sign up the latest overhaul of EU border controls. So that's a joke. They won't do that. Ms. Mrs. Malmstrom said, We know unemployment rates are still very high in Europe. A paradox at the same time, there are labour shortages, she says. Oh, they've been saying that for as long as I've been alive. She plans to speed up procedures for hiring managers, specialists and seasonal workers from outside the 27 EU member states. The EU lacks workers' certain sectors, even though average unemployment is at 10%. It's way beyond 10%. Way, way beyond that in reality. If you take all the ones, the millions who are out of uh, out of the, the in-training uh, schools that they're in, retraining schools, uh, you'd be up double or maybe even triple. And then they go on about, here they go. The aging population and low birth rate means migrant labors will be necessary to help the EU grow in the long term. You understand, for, for years, the countries of Europe followed all the EU uh, and uh, the UN propaganda that came via their own governments not to have more than one children, and so on. Never mind the cultural um, indoctrinations they were getting through the, the neo-culture from Hollywood and all the rest of it, uh, and all the sex education, which was guaranteed they would experiment early and never mate up, and then you knew that at the top too. Uh, so, so it's their fault for not producing enough children. That's why they have to bring in all these other immigrants to understand. This same rubbish has gone on my whole life, this this nonsense. Same repeated nonsense. Yep. And then you find this article here. Is the next global food crisis now in the making? You see everything works together, you know. It all works together. And you go into Chatham House... You know, the headquarters for the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And they've got all these think tanks working on this this coming problem that they just know is coming. They've got massive think tanks working for full time for fifteen years just on this one problem. Okay. Now that they've got the the food companies all sewn up, but you think of the five agribusiness companies, they're really all one. They really are all one. And uh, since recent weeks have produced a series of grim and bleak headlines, Russia has declared a state of emergency because of drought in 12 regions. So the hype up something, you see. While a major West, uh, wheat importer Ukraine, severe flooding may depress crop yields, dry conditions threaten Vietnamese rice production, the USDA has projected a disappointing low Midwest harvest, and China has raised questions about on the demand side by doubling its imports from Canada. And I can testify to that because I see the big grain trucks. The U it says Government of Canada on them. They're reddish. Uh, that are the uh, ones you go by track, and they've been going pretty well. Two or three of these massive long trains, miles long, every week for ages, Gone out the country. That's so they can set up here. So there's not enough here, you see. That's how you do strategy. Everything works together in this great big system, and just to make your day. It was bad enough with all the, the new x-rays that, all oh, they only go to the skin, and now they find out they go deeper than the skin and all the rest of it, which they knew all along, of course. But that's okay because they'll depopulate you and they'll bring in immigrants, no doubt. <laughs> That'd be an excuse. Well, everyone's dying of x-rays, you see. We'll have to bring in new immigrants to fill the positions. And uh, guess what they've got now is T-rays. T-rays, that sounds a bit better than x-ray, you see. Uh, By the way, those x-ray devices, you see airports, they have uh, portable ones now for the cops. They can do it in the streets. So all be getting x-rayed and dosed with radiation in the streets now, just to make, just to make your day. And of course, most, you'll all accept it. You say, oh, what can you do? What can you do? You know. Uh, Thursday, July 15th, it says here, Discovery News, uh, tetrahedra waves can see through clothing and boxes to detect drugs, explosives and more. Uh, though tetrahertz waves are currently only used by over short distances, a new technique makes long-range scanning possible. Although more study is needed, the technology could be deployed at airports and on battlefields, and that'll definitely be in the streets too, be in every police car. They can sense explosives and drugs as well as penetrate clothing, packages, or other thin material. But don't worry, it's really on the low end of the microwave. Don't worry. See, the higher end of the microwave can fry you. They use that technology in uh, Iraq. They've fried whole, busloads of people with microwave. But this will be a low-dose type microwave. And that's why they might call it T hertz uh, rather than microwave, but it's in the low microwave band. By the way, your, everything in your body, you your programming in your body, the electrical programming for all your cells, for the food that comes to you to, to feed those cells, and enzymes and all the rest of it are programmed by very tiny, very tiny electrical currents. If you want to alter the body system and, and produce all kinds of things, use very, very low tiny currents. And so this will be ideal for that. We'll end up with mutations all over the place. Guarantee you. So here's, I'll put this side up as well. So your, your T-rays, it sounds better than X-rays you see too. That's another part of it. And, and it sounds better than simple microwave. It's very hard to upset the people these days. When they could have said microwave, really. Most folk would think, well, they wouldn't put it out there if it was harmful. Uh, and you don't have to wait. People will make excuses up because that's what domesticated society does. They make up excuses for the ones who are killing them. And I've got quite a few articles here on Bilderberger. Uh, for the first time, they let a regular... Me- it's not really regular media because The Guardian is all New World Order, all carbon footprint and cutbacks and all that. Back with more after this break. Back again, and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about the Bilderberg. And how they're, they're letting some media in now to, of course, chosen media who will give you a, a line which could be plausible, but it won't be the truth. And, uh, they chose the Guardian. As I say, they're on, on board for the new agenda and carbon footprints and all that stuff and save the planet, yada yada. But, uh, so they say in a way that things on the agenda for 2010 are financial reform. Well, like we don't know that. Uh, security, cyber technology, energy, Pakistan, Afghanistan, world food problem. Oh, that's interesting. Global cooling, social networking, medical science, EUS, US relations, and so on, so on. And, and this is the stuff that they tell us is there. But that now that Bilderberg has actually put it up, apparently, and I think it's real, their own website to mislead you, of course, is true. What they really mean is they're going to put more troops in the Afghani- to flatten Afghanistan. They've got it flat in Afghanistan. And, and really come heavy on Pakistan, too. They've got to really create, the, step up the world food shortage because uh, five groups, remember, got all your stuff. Uh, the farmers can't keep seed anymore. It doesn't work when you plant it. It's all GM. You have to go back to the masters like Monsanto and Cargill and and beg them, cap and hands, to, to buy some more if they'll let you. And then they'll say one day, oh, we're getting short this year, you know, you you have to go back to your little community area there and, and, and to tell them there's only half of what we had last year. And you have your little meetings with your little new Soviets, and they'll tell you to, you know, just drink more water to fill your stomach. Stuff like that. So I'll put these links up as well. And then uh, <laughs> members of parliament, too, not just in, in Britain, but they always take Britain because it's the cutting edge. It's the flagship to show you how it's done, how it truly truly destroy your, your people. It says, a truly radical pay-as-you-drive scheme for Britain's motorways should be introduced to help the country switch to a low-carbon economy, as his MP has said. So there you go. And now that they've privatized most of the roads, uh, the, and uh, Rothschild, Lord Rothschild was given the job of auctioning them off. That was a week or two ago, a few weeks ago, already on there. And uh, now, of course, they're going to recharge you and jack up, up the prices, too, to make sure it covers your carbon footprint, you know, those awfully muddy boots that you got because there's no paved roads anymore, stuff like that. So that's where they're going with it all is it brings us down to a, the new feudal system. And that's what it is, is a new feudal system. Everything is on the cards, decided before you were born, folks, every single part of it, including the, when, when it crashed the economy. That was absolutely necessary to do at that time to bring all of this on. And they're doing the same thing in other countries with, and using different terms for it. But you see what's happening. When they're flattening areas where people were living and when they're turning things back into gravel trails instead of termite roads, as are in the U.S. and a lot of places across the U.S., in fact, you know you're going to, you have to go down and down, and down. They're giving you the big hints. They're even making massive machines. I saw some drawings by uh, architects from Australia who are being taught in universities about these big machines. Massive monsters like sci-fi things that demolish whole urban areas. The big urban eaters. Yep. They've been working on these for about 20-odd years, 25, 30 years, all these drawings. Strange how they're always ahead knowing what's coming up, eh? Isn't it? And how things just fall in oh, 2001 happened and the towers went down, bingo, off comes the new American century and the century of change. Then all these other coming flu plagues never happened. Then we had the the bank crashes, oh my god, we're all in poverty now and we've got wars to fight all over the world. And then you're down to communitarianism. It's amazing how the, the juggler keeps it all going, isn't it? From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to be a God, or your gods. Go with you.